You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Okay, welcome to the DIY Recording Guys finale. Do we still remember how to do this, Ben? Let's see if we do. Um, I'm I'm Ben from Benjamin Hall Audio Productions, which is still weird to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twelve months later, still weird. Still huh? weird. All right. Well, you did great. I'm Vadim, Calm Frog Recording. Right on. Though I did uh, sort of rebrand my. I didn't rebrand, but I changed my Instagram handle to VK Press Play. I did see that. I didn't know if that was your personal IG or if that was your studio. Well, that's the thing. So, so I decided I didn't want to have a brand Instagram. I want it to be personal, but I want it to be only audio related. So, yep. if that makes sense, you know, it's me, but it's just my audio stuff. That's that's the way to do it. I'm in this weird place where, like, uh, my personal Instagram has the most followers. It has more than double from my studio account. But mm. because there's personal things on it, I decided, you know, I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not the person that just posts my everyday stuff on there. So I decided to keep the personal one just bass playing related, or try to keep it oh. as like you know more performance and and recording mm-hmm. if I'm doing bass, just things that I'm doing musically, and the studio is just my business. So that makes sense to me. Got it. So it's you, the artist, and you, the producer. Exactly, but very much the same as you. Like, it's a nice I, I never post anything really family or personal on there. It's just really, you know, it's branded. Both of them are branded. I think that makes sense. That's, that's actually a really nice, clean split. I like mm-hmm. that. Do you cross post stuff? I have been that. That feature is nice, bec- mostly because like all my focus is on the studio. Like I'm not really playing bass a ton. Um, once a month, a lot of bass playing stuff will happen, <laughs> and then like I'll post it there. But sometimes, if I feel like some things will, you know, like my my followers of like my own music or like bass playing stuff from the studio, like I'll cross post from the studio to my personal account. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I like trying that. to keep up with things, but you know, it's hard. <laughs> You've been doing, I think, better than most. I mean, it's been you, you've been fairly consistent. I think posting stuff. If Wait, I'm not mistaken. I appreciate you saying that. It's been way better than previous years. I've been like way more focused and way more focused on getting like <laughs> quality content. I'm laughing because I remember my wife just saying like how trash my Instagram pages looked, and there <laughs> and it was true because she's really good at Instagram. Like. Instagram and Facebook pay her to do stories and reels. And that Oh wow. And that's because she's so consistent with it and gets a lot of interaction. And you know, even she said like the transformation of you know, 20 2020 Ben versus 2021 and 2022 like your Instagram pages. They just look like a brand. You go to them and you're like, "Yeah, this person's a producer or yeah, this person's a bass player." Where before it was just like Oh, here's this funny meme, or here's this like weird arrangement of rocks I found outside on a on a walk. 
You know, that was like my old Instagram, but that doesn't make that doesn't make yeah. any sense. People go there and they're like, this guy's a weirdo or whatever. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, mine is still trash. And I, 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 and, um, I don't know if I, I sometimes I think about making it better, but um, to be to be determined. Maybe that's yes. maybe that we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's we'll fine. We'll get into that in our year recap. Maybe that's one of my perennial challenges to myself is, yeah. to, is to do better. Yeah, at social media, but ah, oh, man, I don't know. Like, it doesn't matter as much as people. I say, question. Though. There's definitely value in it, and and, and I think there's a, a trade off. At some point, there's probably like I don't want to spend more than X hours on it. Yep. Per week, and, and and right now I spend zero hours. So there's definitely a sweet <laughs> spot that's more hours than that. But I I don't know what it is. What do you spend on, oh, as, on curating your social media? As little as possible. The cool thing about it though is, at the beginning of the year, I was like insane about it. I'm like I'm gonna post every day. So like the first like two to four hours of my day were making content to post on social media, Ugh. which is d- disgusting and also like not probably the right way to run a business but because i did that because i did that in the beginning now my brain is more wired to capture content in the moment so when i have ah. somebody over here we're done recording and i'm like before you go let's set up a microphone and i'll take some videos of you and pictures and that's been a good rewiring for my brain because before we do all this stuff and i'd forget about it and have no content to post Yep. So there there is a good trade-off, but I'm actually I'm actually thinking the same thing. I need to the the big thing for me next year is to interact with other people more because I I was very and that's fine. I was very focused on myself and getting my online presence up. But now I need to just go online and like celebrate what other people are doing and be like, "Hey, that's really cool." Ooh, and interact yeah. with that cuz you know, not that I'm only thinking about it in a selfish way, but like, that's really what, you know, that's, that's what gets people interested in you back. And it makes the online experience yeah. a lot more enjoyable. You're not just thinking about yourself. You're, you're actually like interacting yeah. with other people and, and seeing what other people are doing. And it's cool. Yeah, that makes, that makes complete sense to me. I mean, that, that's kind of the, the light side of uh of social media is yeah that you have access for meaningful interactions the problem is that most of us get suckered into just either the death scroll <laughs> or like the shout into the void where like i'm just gonna post stuff yep <laughs> yep it's a i guess it's like anything else it's a tool and you have to use you can use it in good ways or you can use it to your self detriment. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, cool. It's been a while since we've talked. We chatted a little bit before we started recording, and this is our this is our finale episode. I mean, I think we're gonna we're gonna do it kind of like we've done in the past. We've done year end reviews. This is gonna be kind of that because yeah. it is the end of the year, the end of twenty twenty two. Here, it's a half year end review, half podcast and review uh we mentioned it in previous episodes or I, I did i think in a solo episode but we've decided to hang it up indefinitely here uh for a number of reasons which some of which we'll probably get into but yeah oh well, let's let's uh i'm sure we'll we'll wax poetic and and have some fond remembrances as we go through yeah. it um any any thoughts before we dive into our little 
our little top 10 list here. Yeah, I think just, you know, I'll echo what you said and that it's, you know, it's bittersweet in the sense that like, I never ever want anything to end, especially like a good thing. But Vadim and, <laughs> Vadim and I are definitely both on the same page as far as like, it just feels right to end it now. It's it's a good time to sign off. You know, I feel I feel more happy and satisfied that we accomplished what we did with it. To 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 do a hundred episodes of talking about the nerdiest audio stuff is I'll say that's pretty impressive. And we stuck with it, you know. And kudos to you for carrying the ball for the majority of this. Like it's been really cool. Thanks, man. I I, I agree. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot just from you interacting with you. I've, I have a whole section of my notes <laughs> that are stuff I've learned from you. Oh, that that's really I sweet. Still go back to and, and look at quite often. Um, also, just you know, from on a personal note, and just anybody who's thinking about starting a podcast, I feel like doing this podcast has kind of improved my my confidence, my ability to think through ideas and, mm. and communicate them in the way I want to communicate them. We've done some interviews that were really fun. Yeah. And um, that's not something I, I would have been comfortable doing two years ago whenever we started this. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of personal growth. And well, we don't have a Joe Rogan audience anywhere close to that, but we do have a global audience and people have reached out to us and, and some of those people... I still maintain communication with, and it, it's just nice to have been able yeah. to lend a hand and also teach, learn, and teach some of the things that we've learned over the years has been really been a joy. Yeah, I I totally agree. And on top of that too, like it's nice the kind of content that we covered that it will live forever and still be relevant, unlike a current events podcast that you just have to keep up with it. So I I do like that aspect of what we did as well. I agree. I, I think about, I thought about that actually as we've been making this podcast, but I really wanted it to be as evergreen as possible. And, and technology does evolve, but a lot of the, our approach was really kind of a grassroots ground up approach is like, here's what you need to know. And, you know, I think for the rest of our lives, audio production will be mostly a digital thing. We've kind of focused on laying the groundwork for that. People yep. are still going to have only two ears. Yeah. Um, surround sound is becoming a thing, but stereo will probably always have a role to play. So I think we, I think you're right. I think a lot of the content is evergreen and mm -hmm. hopefully will outlive us. It's funny because as we're winding this down, I still, somebody reached out to me like a week or two ago that they just found the podcast. That's awesome. And I was like, oh, thanks so much. But like, we're actually kind of winding it down. They're like, oh no. It's just, <laughs> it was like, yeah, but there's a hundred episodes, you know, yep. have fun. <laughs> Don't listen to them all in a row. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's awesome though. Cool. Well, let's dive into it. I'm sure we'll have more, uh, more thoughts as we go through it. Um, number one thing I'm going to ask you is kind of a year-end review thing is what's what's the biggest technical thing you've learned this year audio technical thing that's kind of improved either your sound or your workflow what do you what do you credit um this is a little bit of a tricky one for me to answer because nothing jumped out immediately but i wrote down three things and all of them were editing as I wrote them down, <laughs> okay. they were guitar editing, drum editing, and vocal editing. And I have to credit you for the wow. I have to credit you for the drum editing because that's the 
the Brian Hood method, which I kind of was doing a version of that, but thank you for sending that video over to me, especially the separating the separating the kick from the rest of the hands and how he does the the stretched audio to kind of fill in the gaps there. Like that was something mm -hmm. I didn't know, so that really helped my drum editing level up a lot. And um just vocal editing, I got better at that, quicker at that. Um, guitar editing, I, I definitely wanted to focus in on that because I've completely changed my mind about guitar and bass editing. Because even back when we talked about guitar and bass editing on the podcast, we talked about the benefits of like quantize editing or slip editing, I'm sorry, versus um, warping and things like that. And I still feel like I would yeah. do that in certain circumstances, but... Now I'm totally, I'm on the board of like doing no editing and just recording it right the first time. And that is Ooh. the guitar editing. Maybe for different reasons, but um, that's probably been the biggest mind shift for me as far as like my process and how I approach things, even for myself when I'm recording myself playing. Um, but it all comes down to just learning how to do editing better. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying for guitar, you're saying instead of having the mindset of I'll, I'll be able to edit that, you're saying just record it better. Yeah. Is that what you said or no? Yeah, exactly. Because I know I've said this on the podcast before that like when you're trying to figure out what is good enough for tracking versus what do I leave for editing, the threshold in my mind has always been I don't want to spend more time editing than I am tracking. So as long as my editing Ooh. time is equal to or less than what I'm doing tracking, that's appropriate. I still hold that true for drum tracking and maybe vocal tracking. But for guitar editing, I actually think I've changed my mind on that and would say, I don't care if it takes forever. I would rather just track the parts right so that they're in time and the only yeah. let the only editing left to do after that is just the crossfades okay in other words you would go section by section yep. like i'm gonna get this riff i'm gonna play it i'm gonna loop like punch in record and just nail it and then go into the next section yep. if i have to even right. note by note if possible if necessary note by note versus just trying to you know, if there's a 16th note riff that's kind of push and pull, I'd rather record each note and crossfade it than wow. cut and edit. I think it sounds more real and better. And the thing that I, and actually I won't say the band in the single, but a song I produced this year, I did a significant amount of editing to and some warping. And I didn't notice it at first, but in mixing, I'm like, they get the rhythm guitars, they don't punch the same way. And I think that the warping messes with the transients too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. You have to be very careful with that. Um, I, I My situation is a little bit different because so often the work I'm doing, I, I wasn't in the room when it was recorded. And I, yeah, I, I take your point though. I, I do think obviously getting it right is just better it's just gonna be better in fact i was watching a video do you know the band idols i-d-l-e-s no i don't they're cool like 
they just came out with a with an album that I think is gonna is is doing well on people's radar for you know like best rock oh, cool. album like Grammy type territory. But they made a little they released a little video. It's called Crawler the album. Really good album. They released a little video of the making of the album, and I had to laugh because there uh, there's all these takes that they left in this video of the of a guy like trying to record a really fast guitar part, and the producer just like hitting stop. <laughs> And the guitarist going, "What do you? Do? I was, I was killing it." And the producer's like, "No, no, you were, you, you were pushing and pulling. Like, start over." <laughs> wow. And and I think the me to me the the threshold is, I I I don't want to edit to the point where I'm creating the performance, which yeah. I think is what you're talking about. Like, if if the performance isn't there, it isn't it isn't there. But like, I'm okay with editing like a little bit, like just. The one wasn't quite there, mm-hmm. whatever. But if it's like a groove and you have to create the groove in editing, oh, that just really kills that my vibe and the vibe of the song. <laughs> yeah. You know, going off of what you're saying there, I totally forgot about this as well. But um, I was listening to that new Muse record that got dropped this year and mm. listening to some interviews with, I think only Matthew Bellamy has done interviews so far. Um and one thing he talked about was they definitely wanted a, for certain songs, they wanted a more organic approach to to tracking. Some songs are like really tight and edited a lot. And he said other songs are just like, the way we played it is the way that we kept it. And I definitely like kept that in the back of my mind with a lot of the things I was working on, just making that distinction because I think that, you know, as I've grown and and learned as a producer, initially I was more on board with like, the tighter things are to the grid, the better they are. And it was good for me to go through that because I was learning how to edit and learning how to make things tighter. But there is definitely a distinction like you're saying between things are on the grid and things being musical. And you can have a very musical performance that's awesome that's not on the grid. And it, yeah. It, it takes some nuance to get that and also like that's kind of like you have to learn how to walk first before you can run. Like learn how to edit well, learn how to track well, and then you can start making those decisions as far as like oh, we want this solo to be a little bit. It's pushing the beat a little bit. Or these vocals are behind the beat a little bit and that's okay for you know, this reason. And I feel like I'm starting to get to that point now. That's great. That's a really, that's a really crucial milestone. I don't know that I've quite hit that yet, but I I can see it coming. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely, you know, I I appreciate that idea of like not everything needs to be to the especially you know part of it is genre dependent, part of it is artist dependent. It's production dependent, right? If it's is it really dense production or is it a really sparse production? Yep. If it's a really sparse production, it can definitely be looser. Um, without raising an eyebrow in some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, 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 that's that's such a huge milestone. It's cool that you're uh, you feel you've you've reached it. I'm getting there. I'm just on the you know yeah. the threshold of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we learn. I mean, I think a lot of us who who came up with digital audio and DAWs, we we learn to rely on the grid a lot, and. Um, as you said, it's very helpful. It's a very helpful tool when you're when you're starting out. But there's something to be said for like just 
averting your gaze and just listening. Yeah. I mean, like, is, is, is it sounds right or it doesn't sound right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Cause it, sometimes stuff looks right and doesn't sound right. Like that's that happens all the time, especially with vocals for me. It's like it looks right. It looks like it's on the beat and it's like, no, it's it's late. You yeah, know, it needs to be, and and you have to be willing to vocals. Close your eyes oh and man, that's a decisions. whole that's a whole nother can of worms because, and I found this out. I just I just got finished tracking a four song EP for an artist, and it was tricky vocal tracking for that reason because, like you said, oh, it looks like it's on the grid, but because of the way the performance was delivered, it actually sounded better to have certain phrases fall behind the beat. Um, just because of the cadence and yeah, vocals are the hardest, man. I feel like vocal editing, it can be the hardest thing to do, to do it well, but yeah, well, it's very, it's probably the most, it requires the most taste. Yeah. I think. And everybody knows. And like you can edit, I feel like you can edit even a guitar performance. You can make it sound like EDM where like, it sounds like a machine and people be like, Oh, that's cool. But you do that to a voice and they're like, what the heck, what the heck is this? Yeah. Yeah. You get into T-Pain territory. I've, I've been very sensitive to that. Even with like as good as Melodyne is sometimes it's weird. Like sometimes I move think a quarter of a, quarter of a step yeah and it sounds it's t-pain like nope i'm just gonna leave it flat because i'd rather have it a little bit flat than t-pain yeah the song yep i'll ask it i'll ask it back to you what's what's the biggest thing you learned this year yeah for me well a lot of my answers are reaper so i'm gonna try oh, yeah. to not, not say I'm that i'm glad too you much. brought that up but i i wanted to remember to ask you like how your journey with reaper is going yeah it's going really well um it's, uh, I, in fact, I'm trying not to lose sight of what more I can do because one of the things that that's cool and I'd like to actually let people know about was switching to a new DAW forces you to reevaluate a lot of the capabilities of, of a DAW in general. And so like one thing for me was I was like, oh, wow, look at, all, look at this thing and this thing and this thing. And then some of those things I was like, wait, oh, Pro Tools can do that. Mm. But I had kind of stagnated my progress with with pro tools i wasn't like learning new things i wasn't actively going out there and looking at what's possible so reaper forced me to do that and i'm trying not to let the same thing happen but it's been great i mean i've i've customized quite a bit that's cool and um it's definitely been it's made it a lot more pleasant and fast for me to work on music which is obviously all i care about for it when it comes to a doll so that that's my biggest thing is is learning reaper and i still have a ways to go there uh but as far as like technical audio things i think i've talked about using saturation and learning the different types of saturation and what they do and i think this mm. year i've made a lot of strides in learning how to layer saturation mm-hmm. elements throughout a production to make something that's bigger um and i, I think the, the best analogy was i, I got from peterson goodwin who's the, the founder of DIY Recording Equipment. He said this when he was uh, a guest on the podcast. And he cited it from some other guy who wrote an article about basically saturation being like varnish layers on a, on a piece of furniture. You can't get the effect from one layer. Yeah. Like one thick layer of varnish. You get the effect you want, that 3D awesome looking wood from 
a thin layer, sanding, thin layer, sanding, thin, you know, 30 layers gets you what you want, not one layer. Yep. And that's really kind of revolutionized the way I think about distortion and, and saturation. I, I totally agree, man. And it's so interesting you bring that up because that's been in the forefront of a lot of my conversations with other engineers as well of like hmm. trying to achieve that and how to achieve that. And it's been the same analogy as varnishing layers. And it huh. seems that you can't get there in one big step. It has to be a lot of gradual steps. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, it's, it, it's true. It's, it's an interesting and you never more true than in, in plugins. In fact, I, yeah. I think with, um, yeah, that's, that's, I think with plugins more, even more so than with analog gears, like you can get there. Absolutely. Just, just go layer, small layers yep. along the way. You took the words out of my mouth. That's what I was going to say is that this is the unique challenge of working in the box. And I don't think I realized that that's what I was hearing or the lack or lack thereof what I was hearing in my own music in productions that I worked on, it was that lack of harmonic density and saturation. And how do you replicate that in the digital domain where it's a little bit trickier and you have to be more thoughtful about it than maybe you do just recording in a studio through analog gear in a console? Yeah. Well, and and, and really it's like yes and no because the reason, it's almost the same thing because the, the what you get in the analog domain if you think about what's happening is like you get a microphone, it's plugged into a preamp, that preamp has a tube in it, then the output has a transformer, then you hit the mixing board, that has an input stage, then it has an output transformer, then you go to tape, yep. tape. At, so you still have like all these layers just by virtue of being analog um, and you're trying to replicate that kind of digitally. And so for those of you listening wondering, okay, that's a cool concept, how can I apply it? The idea would be take something like three saturation plugins that are different yep and drive each of them by 3db just a little bit and stack them on top of one another that'll probably get you a more complex and interesting result than taking any one of those and pushing them by 9db yep well said love it cool i'm glad yeah we're, we're both uh we, we both ran into that this year mm -hmm. All right, what's the biggest like non-technical thing that that you you know you're you're running a studio, you're full time in the yeah. studio, or maybe just in your personal life? What's the biggest non-technical thing you learned? Um, I would I would probably say I wrote three things again. I'm just gonna pick effective goal setting. If, even Ooh, if I haven't okay. even if I haven't learned it, I've learned the the importance of it. And a, a big thing that came up was a lot of the artists that I work with are independent or hobbyist, and so the nature of that means that uh, it's just self-actualization, the reason that they're doing music, which is the mm -hmm. best reason. But because of that, there's no upper management telling them it needs done by, by this ah. date or this date, which I never thought about as that being a problem, but it is a problem if you are like me going full-time and you have multiple projects because inevitably they all start stacking up on one another. So I started realizing that even if an artist doesn't have a due date for themselves, I need to have a due date for it. An internal one, or I need to like, you know, just be upfront and tell them, I know you don't have a due date, but I will get this mixed for you in two weeks and state that out loud and, and stick to that. It's just a healthy thing for humans to, to, to set goals out loud like that. 
and it, it'll keep you honest for moving forward and also like just just free up it'll help free up like um you know your bandwidth to do other things that's a great one i'm curious what do you do you use anything for like scheduling or managing your project stack like if i called you up today and i was like hey i want to work on a song when, how do you know when you can fit me in well now i'm that'll be probably a bigger challenge for this year figuring out all of that the two main tools i'm using right now are google calendar and trello i think trello, trello. i think trello is really great because you can set template cards that have like you know you create uh, let's say you create a new project and then underneath that is all my tasks that i would do for that project so that's that's a nice thing yeah. um but right now like i'm i'm basically availability is just based off of recording in the studio but i do need to start including on my calendar like days set aside for i'm mixing this song on this day i'm not quite there yet but i think that'll come more into play this year my thing i learned is, is similar it's 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 along a similar vein it's time management mm. and what it, this is something i need I, i've slipped on this but i've been uh there's a writer named Oliver Berkman I've been reading. Um, he wrote a really cool book called Time Management for Mortals. <laughs> and the whole idea, it's like counterculture productivity. Basically, he's saying like the problem people have is that um, we're, we're, we're finite. Our lives and our time is finite, but we, there's a functionally infinite number of worthwhile things to do. And so we end up we think there's a corner. We think there's like a threshold of productivity or like efficiency that we can reach. There's a date in the future where I will be so efficient and so productive that I will be able to have time for everything. All of the hobbies I want to do, hmm. all of the podcasts I want to create, everything. And he's saying like, that's a myth. Like there's no way you'll ever be efficient enough to do everything that's worth doing. So you might as well just like do the things that are important and like not hmm. do the other things. And that's kind of I, I, time management, something I've, I've struggled with and productivity and efficiency I've been obsessed with since I was in eighth grade, as far as I remember. And now I'm, I'm working with this concept of like pay yourself first is, is, the, is, the, is the term. So for me, that's the, the thing that I, here's the way I used to work when I was working full-time, especially I had some number of things to do in the day and if I finish that number of things, maybe by 9 p.m., I'm like, all right, now I can sit down and work on music, right? I've, I've cleared the decks, and then I'm tired, and yeah. I'm mad. And some days I didn't even get to that point. So now I'm trying to, to, to flip that on its head, trying to wake up early and like not look at my phone. Like I'm not alive. I don't exist. I spend two to three hours every morning working on creative music so that's for my business but it's it's not like emails or invoicing it's like the creative tasks of music and i found like then the rest of my day i'm like i'm relaxed because i've already done the thing that i wanted to do that i'm telling myself is the most important thing so flipping that on its head has been kind of a big thing for me and i'm trying to to keep up with that and and be rigorous i really like that one i haven't thought a ton about it but i've just noticed in my own life that like in the past year, I think it's probably a function of going full-time in the studio because I've had more time to devote to things. It's just, 
the practice of doing things over and over again has made my efficiency go up or even just my mm. willingness to just dive in to to do things because I think before I had this like I don't know if you I don't think imposter syndrome is the right word for it but um just kind of like maybe more of a fear of failure like let's just imagine I've got this really difficult bass part that I need to track for a song and instead of just working on it now and taking however long it takes to get it done I just put it off because I'm like I really should practice all this week so that I'm warmed up and and like I'm really ready to hit it and then like Saturday I've got my day cleared and I'll, and I'll do it and then something comes up on Saturday and oh that put me in a bad mood so I'll just wait until Monday like that used to you procrastinate yeah procrastinate yeah. And that used to be a big yeah. problem for me, but I think that like just kind of realizing that it's not going to get easier, so you might as well just do it now has actually it's made life a lot more enjoyable for me because there there is something like very just like satisfying about like checking things off like your productivity list, even just mentally like oh I yeah. because like actually actually doing something like tracking a baseline or get, or getting a song finished like. It feels so much better than just answering a thousand emails. Yeah, because answering emails is is not a thing in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Answering emails is a thing that gets you somewhere else. Like mm. you're not going through life yeah. trying to maximize the number of emails you <laughs> answer. So that makes that makes total sense. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is there I you know, there used to be there's well, there's a whole philosophy called like inbox zero, right? It's like don't have any emails. Like get to all your emails and and I've for me, it, there's always a guilt associated with like not getting to all the emails, right? Mm. And now I'm more, I'm trying to to switch my focus into like, no, 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 that's okay. There's always going to be unanswered emails. I don't care. Yep. What's important to me is these three things, and those are the things I will like do first, basically. That's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one from you for this next year. <laughs> I cool. Love it. All right, let's get into a fun one here. Best purchase, worst purchase. I know you spent some money, Ben. I can oh, see yeah. it in your eyes. <sighs> I can't help it. Um, I, <laughs> Me neither. I bought, um, I'm a little nervous about this because I haven't tried it yet. So even even if this particular one doesn't work, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the tried and true reamp box. But I bought this Chinese company, Joyo reamp box. Oh, yeah. But it's cool. It's a reamp and active DI box in one. Um, so that's cool to get. Oh, uh, very cool. Two bang for your buck there. But I'm uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of reamping here pretty soon, which I've never done before, which I'm super stoked about. And nice. I don't know why I never got into it before, but I don't think I thought about the benefit of like, oh yeah, I can just track DI, use neural DSP plugins to approximate the tone we're going for and then after the performance is edited and you know we got a solid take just set up microphones on the amp and and capture the the actual gear and not have to worry about totally. like getting the performance and the microphone right at the same Ooh. time which is a really cool idea to me yes yes that's my favorite thing about it is you get to like loop a riff yeah. And then just sit in front of the amp and like turn the knobs and 
That's very cool. I will, um, there's a really good, I mean, you probably won't need this because it sounds like you're going to mic an actual cabinet, but there's a really good, uh, for our listeners, uh, there's a really good impulse library that's free. It's called, I think it's called God's Cab. It's mm. made by, uh, shoot, who's the company? Wilkinson. Wilkinson Audio. You told me about them. They have, you told me about it, this. it's a Mesa Boogie. I think it's a Mesa 4x12 impulse response library and you can get a free impulse response loader called pulse by lancaster audio mm. so two free things and basically it just has like okay the mesa 4x12 with a condenser microphone mesa 4x12 with a sm57 and, and so on and they really sound fantastic you can really get like hmm. uh some really cool sounds out of them in fact the way i've use this is just i have like um a really cool fuzz pedal and um i just went like a di into the fuzz pedal and then into one of these cab sims really cool sounds so uh for people that's interested cool. in, in reamping or just running a line out out of uh what was the preamp, that's a cool what was option. the impulse response loader pulse lancaster okay. audio pulse it's called sweet yeah free free plug-in I like that. Okay, now the bad purchase. I yeah, bad. Purchase. Oh man, this one really hurts. Um, it might wind up turning out to be good, but uh, my new laptop. Oh my gosh, it was such a freaking nightmare. Uh, I had. I don't. Did I tell you anything about this? No. So my old. I I, I know. Last we talked, you built an amazing PC. Yes, that I still love. <laughs> for I'm your using. studio. Yeah. You had a clone in your Studio B. Tell me about the laptop. So my my old computer was getting close to 10 years old. It was dying. And then I dropped it on its charging cable. So <laughs> I had to rip apart the like manifold of it to like plug it in to charge it. I'm like, this is, it's eventually just not, it's going to stop working. I'm not going to be able to charge it. And I won't be able to have a laptop to use. So okay. I decided... Ugh, I decided to buy an Asus laptop, but I found this third-party reseller that had modified parts of it. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool because that's that's kind of what I'm looking for, like a larger hard drive. And I think they added something else to it too. Oh, more RAM. They like added 32 gigabytes of RAM. I'm like, that's dope. It's The price is not too bad so i just pulled the trigger on it because this is so funny too because i'm typically the one that like i overanalyze every purchase before i make it but i started realizing i'm like it doesn't really matter like you know what's five hundred dollars what's a thousand dollars like i'm not gonna remember that in a year like so <laughs> i'm gonna do a little bit of research and then i feel pretty good about it i'm gonna buy it and then i started having issues with it um the audio was like clipping out not uh like what's what's the word i'm looking for um wasn't like a latency issue it was like things would just like pause for a second and so it was like unusable huh. for recording and then i was having other issues with it too wait why why did you need to use it for recording oh just the mobile setup because it was going to replace my mobile oh, my mobile okay. rake okay and the biggest mistake that I made that now I know going forward not to make again was um, I'll just never buy from a third-party reseller like a computer where I want could possibly want a warranty to be validated because 
what Asus told me when I contacted them, because basically this company was like, and I started seeing problems after 30 days. So they're like, it's 30 days, talk to the, talk to the manufacturer. And they were like, well, if this, since this laptop's been modified, anything that's not original, we, if you send it into us, we'll take it out and it will be a chip back to you without that. And I'm like, you can't like, what? So you're going to remove the hard drive and all of the RAM that was added, but <laughs> so it, it turned out, you know, thankfully I have a family friend that's real, a really good like computer IT person and he helped me figure out the issue. And essentially the issue was his windows was corrupted and I had to do a fresh install because huh. um, it was corrupted and I tried to do a repair, but it kept some registry files that were causing some serious issues. And now it's okay. been working fine, but still, it still remains that like, if I ever have to have the warranty checked, then, you know, I guess they're going to take my extra RAM and my hard drive when I send it back, which That's sucks. And basically they were yeah, like, I... they were like, yeah, we don't recommend ever buying from anybody except the original manufacturer. And I'm like, all right, I'll remember in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've seen those and been tempted by them as well, and uh, it's, that's a good cautionary tale. I was not aware of that. My um, my best purchase. I mean, the no-brainer is Reaper, sixty bucks, Oof. lifetime license, Can't beat updates that. and everything. It's awesome. But uh, I also bought this Color Duo, which is a, a DIY kit, and um, get, you get two channels of um, you get like these three. Each channel has three slots that you could put little saturation modules into. And that's really how I was able to cut my teeth on what different saturation sounds like. And um, it's been it's been nice. I've been using it to like reamp tracks through, make them sound like, the, like they were recorded through a more expensive preamp and stuff like that. That's been a cool device. DIY build is really fun. I... I mm -hmm didn't have a ton of experience with soldering before I, I started this kit and it took me a couple of weeks to, to finish it, but I would just work, you know, 45 minutes a day on it and just listen to like a podcast or an audiobook. It was actually a lot of fun. That's cool. Uh, so that's my best purchase. My worst purchase. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I've <laughs> What's that mean? Though? There's a lot with, of them. <laughs> well, it's just stupid plugins, man. Uh, I, so for one thing, I bought Slate Trigger because it was on sale, and it turns out Reaper has a native, just a stock plugin that does effectively the same thing, except like it's an easier interface. Really? Um, it doesn't come with samples, but yeah, basically you can take you can take an audio, any audio file, and you can set like a threshold and like trigger MIDI, whatever MIDI note you want, off of audio mm. and then you can use that to drive you know any samples um so that and you could also adjust like the wet mix uh, wet dry mix mm. so effectively does a very similar thing to slate trigger so i didn't need slate trigger actually I haven't even figured out how to use it so i bought it and it and i'm never gonna use it so i just oh my gosh. free money for mr slate that's all right he's a good guy um, <laughs> and then I just bought a, a bunch of plugins from Plugin Alliance. I love the plugins they make. Do you buy metric? Plugin Alliance is one of these companies that did you every single day they have a sale. <laughs> they, all their plugins are four hundred dollars, but every day, yeah, some subset of them is twenty dollars. Yep, <laughs> yep. And they're great plugins. Yeah. So I bought too many of them. I don't. I can't even tell you how many I bought. It's awful. I bought Metric AB from them. 
I think that's the only one. That that's that, a great one. Yeah. Uh, somebody was showing me all the features that they were using from that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's actually kind of cool. Um, that's a very cool plugin. I have like their, you know, their bundle that they give away for free just for signing up. I have all those, which is a bunch okay, of like. Okay, no, I, I, I know of it, but I haven't actually used any of them. I haven't either, but they're like, they're a bunch of like cool plugins, like Shadow Hills, like Matt, like uh, mastering compressor. And like, I'm like, that's really cool that they're offering that. So. Yeah, no, they, they are, as far as plug-in companies go, they have my vote as the best for saturation stuff. And, like, they because they do this cool thing called mm. the TMT, right, the Tolerance Modeling Technology. So what they do is, like, if you're familiar with the Slate, like, Slate does the uh, virtual mix rack, which I love. Yep. You With that, you get, there's, like, two modules, right? You get, like, a, like a mix channel and then, like, the master channel is, like, a different color. And what that is, I think, is an emulation of two slightly different um, slots on a mixer, for example. And so you get two slightly different saturation profiles, and that's cool. Like, that's one of the advantages of working on an analog board is that each channel sounds just a little bit different, mm -hmm. right? And so when you mix them all, you get this thing that's wider and bigger, so with Plugin Alliance, they do that. They actually model, the way they do it is they model the individual tolerances of oh. the subcomponents. So if there's like a capacitor or a transistor, they will include the tolerance, like the noise, the total harmonic distortion tolerance for each of those components. And so you end up getting like 72 channels or whatever that are slightly different. And I found this to be actually, I've actually replaced all of my slate virtual mix rack stuff with plugin alliance because of this feature you can hit randomize and get all of your channels to be different from another one another and it That's does really kind of cool. add a little bit of 0.5 percent betterment that's really cool i wasn't aware of that now you're giving me something else to think about because i've always thought about that like that's the other that's the other tricky thing about like i run into this all the time when i'm mixing like i've got the analog emulation on every single instance of uh, the CLA 76 plugin. And so right. the same analog emulation builds up across all the tracks instead of slight variations. Yeah, yeah that may. Yeah, the um, where I would recommend it if you're going to check it out, like you can download demos, obviously. I'm a big fan of the, you know, the SSL sound. And so they're like SSL G channel, which I know you use. Mm-hmm. Ben for from Slate, um, the Plugin Alliance one sounds better to me. Oh, you wow. can drive it, you can drive it to ridiculous amounts where like you actually get like audible distortion. It's it's a very cool sound. Hmm. I, I'm really into okay. it. Okay. So for next don't year. do what I did and spend all your money on plugins. But anyway, that was mine. <laughs> all right, now go moving on because we're <laughs> um, we're we're only number four on our list here. What's the the biggest hurdle you feel you you overcame and um you know feel free to take this either in your like again audio 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 journey or your the business side i'll take it in the business side and i think that like the biggest the biggest black cloud looming over my audio business this entire time i've been doing it is this question of can can i actually do this is this a viable business and I feel like this past year, like I did pretty well and it showed, it showed me that like, yeah, I can do this. This is a viable business if I put time and effort into it. 
it's definitely doable because you know for those of you listening that don't know this past year was really the first year that i was full a full-time producer because there have been other times that i didn't have a day job but i was also doing other side gigs and this year was really the first year that i was a full-time producer and so there was a lot of like nerves that came along with that like am i gonna be able to make money am i you know am i gonna be able to support myself and it was cool to see how you know you you put your back up against the wall and like you make things happen and it was cool that's great that is a, a huge hurdle i'm sure anybody working on audio has or trying to work on audio for a living is is bound to run into this at some point. It's yeah. a challenging thing because it's so freaking fun. Everybody wants to everybody wants to make a living making music. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to actually be doing that and, and it, it is like that I, I like to think of it in that context rather than like you know how much am I making compared to X? It's like wow. This year, people paid me this many dollars to do something I would do for free. Like, I would be doing it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, exactly. I love working on music. The fact that people are willing to to give me money for it is awesome. And you're even, like, at the next level where it's like, yeah, and it's the only thing I do yeah. for a living. So how cool is that? Congratulations. Thanks, man. man. It's, it feels really good. It feels really good. And I didn't realize how much of a dark cloud it was how much of a weight on my shoulders it was absolutely absolutely that's awesome um for me i i guess from a from an audio standpoint it was it was getting more bold with colors and destroying audio Mm. confidently like i feel like my journey was you know get better mixes get cleaner mixes get whatever just get just get better 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 and i was hesitant i would i would say my stuff was too clean maybe at some level i would be hesitant to throw too much distortion on a lead vocal for example now i'm kind of over that i'm more hmm. willing to just like crank things and be like yeah that sounds cool i'm going to go with that and um that's big. I I I, I want to yeah. keep moving in that direction, um, because I feel like that's a big part of developing your taste and your sound. Yes, um, I agree. So it's one thing to be, you know, there, I think there's a journey there, right? The first part is like just get stuff to not sound wrong, like get it to sound professional, and then once you get there, it's like get it to sound like you, like what is you, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm I'm working my way towards that and i've definitely been more confident over this past year of like yeah just crank stuff and commit to it yeah that's cool i can resonate with that as well um i don't think it's been as obvious for me but like you you naturally get better and then you naturally like want to push the envelope more and more yeah cool um what's your next biggest hurdle so I think this is related to what I mentioned earlier about like the effect of goal setting, but the next big hurdle is now that like now that I'm doing a viable business, the question now is I've now that I have people like knocking on my door, can you do this? Can you do my project? Can you do my project? 
I'm eventually, and maybe this next year, I'm going to, I'm going to finally hit a point where I might be too busy to do everything. And so am I going to be able to keep up with the hustle and the tight deadlines of everything? Cause I've never been in the position before where like I had to get something done, not because a client needed it, but because if I didn't get this one thing done, then it would get in the next thing. It would, yeah, exactly. It's more like a day job, <laughs> which is funny, yeah. but that's how like day, you know, that's how like my experience with day jobs work. You have like project deadlines that you have to hit because you won't have time to get to the next thing unless you hit that deadline. So yeah, yeah, that's, I'm a little nervous about that, but you know, like it's also cool though too, because I think the humans kind of need that kind of pressure to, you know, just to, just to keep going. Otherwise, like we're just going to procrastinate and take forever on every mix. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is, that is good. I mean, that's a, it's good to be able to reach the point where you're solving that problem. I, I think I'm in a similar boat this, this year. I think I only had maybe two or three weeks total where I had no work, like no yeah, wow. projects. And so it used to be I had more of those weeks and those weeks were my time to improve my business or improve a system or learn something. And now it's like, no, I, there's like, there's a cadence, there's like a rhythm I have to keep going, yep. which is great. It feels really good. Um, but that's my biggest hurdle is actually, I think, going to be finding time for continued learning, mm. like deep learning, not like a 10 minute YouTube video, but like, you know, to sit down and go through an eight hour course or to sit down and really dive deep into like some gear, like characterizations, like learning my, my stuff, right. Or like learning more Reaper functionalities because I'm so busy with projects, yeah. which is where you want to be. But how do I now carve time for meaningful learning and like continuing to improve is, is I think my hurdle for this coming year. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that too. Cool. All right. Here's a fun one. What's the worst audio advice you've come across <laughs> this year? I didn't come across, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, um, interact with the internet too much. I feel like <laughs> at, least with, uh, <laughs> at least with like tips and tricks because it's always just a nightmare. But, um, yeah, I did see in a group somebody shared this post from a pretty popular audio YouTuber. And although I don't think the post was from 2022, I think it was 2021, I I came into contact with it. And basically this person was saying, drum quantization is the devil and you should never do it and it's horrible. And I was just so infuriated because I'm like, I wouldn't be able to do my job unless I could quantize drum audio. Um, yeah. I just think that's just such a bad take and, um, it, it's a, it's a broad stroke where you need context. Like you can't just make a statement like that. What if you're working on a very dancey genre? Like it's going to be quantized hundred percent. Like it's not going to sound professional unless it's quantized. Yeah. So I think without context, I agree. That's like too, way too broad of a stroke to paint. Yep. Mine, I, I think, was from this past year, but I, I'm subscribed to some mailing list. I, I don't remember how I got on it from some mastering engineer. But he's he's gone into this, like, you know, he wants to be an educator as well. He wants yep. to sell courses. 
And so he sends out these quick these quick tips. Some of them are good. <laughs> but he sent out this one where he was like, here's the two frequencies you need to boost when you're mastering. Oh, man. He was like, this one will make stuff sound more expensive if you boost it. I boosted 90% of the time. And this one, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, EQ, you're going to tell people like when they're mastering to always boost a certain frequency. That's crazy. That <laughs> defeats the whole purpose of the process. Yep. So I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, that's ridiculous. That, dude, that's ridiculous. That actually reminds me of, um, I, uh, I produced this song for this girl from New York who has kind of like a 80s glam rock vibe. And I did, so I didn't want to use my typical mastering engineer for it. Um, and we were sending out test masters and somebody from this group that I'm a part of, he's like, please just let me do a test master of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, sure, I'll give it to you. But I, I was more looking for recommendations for like profess, professional mastering engineers, but you know, I'll, I'll give you a shot at it. And like, they just destroyed they destroyed the mix and it sounded very much like what you're talking about. Like <laughs> they just boost, they, they scooped the mid range, boosted the high end and the low end. And I just hated every bit of it because the mix was already good. And I just felt like they took what I gave them and just did something generic with it instead of what it needed. Yeah. He's just subscribed to this mailing list. Perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. Like, cool, yeah. Here's, I'm going to download this guy's presets. <laughs> That's annoying. Um, all right. Funniest story recording production wise. Do you have a good one? I have a mediocre one. I threw this in because I thought, I don't know, some, I thought maybe you'd have something good. Mine's okay. Mine's okay too. Depending on how I tell it, it might be funnier and more funnier. Like <laughs> Feel free to embellish okay. liberally. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, so... Somebody approached me um, about doing a collaboration with a bunch of other musicians, and he was going to be the mixing engineer, which I'm totally fine with because he's an awesome mixing engineer from the UK. And he's like, okay, so do you know this song? And I'm like, I know the band. I don't know if I know the song. So I listened to it. It's like hardcore, hardcore music. And I'm like, okay, like pretty straightforward. And he's like, I want you to play guitar for it. And then I started like sweating a little bit and I'm like, wow, I'm really honored he's asking me to play guitar. But like, you know, that's, I'm thinking in my head, like that's not my main instrument. Like I probably could pull this off, but I know the other people. Cause, so I asked him like, who else are you asking to do this? And, and one of the other guys I know, um, JK from Ireland, he's a really good guitar player. And he's like, yeah, I'm asking him to play bass. <laughs> and, and i'm like nice. so confused i'm like why didn't you ask him to play guitar you know like i would rather play bass than guitar and he thought in his head he's like well then why is jay always playing bass and i'm like well that's because he's in a band right now just to do live gigs where he's filling in as a bass player but i'm ah, the bass player okay. and he's the he's the guitar player he's a really good guitar player and yeah. he's like, I thought you were the guitar player and he was the bass player. That's funny. So it worked out. It worked out, yeah. And 
I was like, you know, it's just, it's a collaboration and we want to make it sound good, but why not have everybody on their, you know, specialty instruments instead of sure. <laughs> doing things that they're, you know, B tier at. Yeah. 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 That's, that is funny. That's reminds me of like that. Uh, do you ever watch Arrested Development? Oh, I haven't. No, I know what it is, but okay. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Anyway, there's, there's a whole thing in there where they're, they're trying to do casting for a school play and like. <laughs> different people keep quitting and then rejoining so it ends up being all backwards where like the main female role is played by like this macho football guy and like the main lead role is played by the girl and it's just yeah like i don't know how we got here it's exactly (laughs) like that yep all right mine is um i was working I, i got a song i was gonna work on and i'm listening to like the the rough mix and the singer is mispronouncing a word like i'm pretty sure like he's he's saying something that is also a word i'm not gonna say what it is because just in case They're somebody's listening, listening yeah but he's saying a word that's also a word but i'm 99 percent sure it's not the word he wants to say right like he's saying it wrong i even had like my wife listen to it and she's like yeah that's not what he that's not what he means but then I'm thinking like, okay, he's switching two letters. I'm like, maybe it's easier to sing that way. Like sometimes it's, you know. Yeah. So we end up going ahead with the song. When he sends me the stems, I realize that the name of the song is the word that he's mispronouncing. And he's also spelled it wrong. Wow. So I'm like, do I say something? Because he's already recorded it. It's like the final recordings. They sound good. Or do I just let it go because I'm just the 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 knob monkey and I'm just gonna turn the knobs and make it sound better? And I just turn the knobs and, and really make it sound better. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I feel like I would have said something, but that's that's hilarious though. That's the funnier answer. Yeah. That's the funnier answer. Yeah, it's still it hasn't been released yet, and I I guess it's not too late. I still could go back and be like. Do you mean this word? Like, Google it. Just Google. Do me a favor and Google it before you release That's it. That's funny. <laughs> you have to tell me off offline what it is. I will. Okay. I will. That's all right. That's actually really good. I like that. That's a good story. All right, a little podcast throwback. What are, What are some of your favorite episodes we've recorded? the The main one that comes to my head is the Flare Audio interview. I really love that one. That was That was such a good interview and. Um, I think one because like it was so over my head because I don't know anything about building speaker cabinets or like the design, the evolutionary design of the human ear. <laughs> it just was like the whole yeah. thing was just so mind blowing. Um, yeah, very cool. I mean, we've done a lot of good ones, but the the bass recording deep dive was fun because I got to showcase, you know, what I'm good at and and dive into that. How about you? Yeah, I love the Flare Audio one also. And uh, actually, those guys have some really cool stuff coming down the road. I don't know if you saw, but they they just did a, um, like a, I don't know if it's Kickstarter or something similar. They did a campaign where they're, they're building, um, they, they needed to buy tooling to manufacture these, um, these, these headphones, which I have the, the prototype version of it. And it's, phenomenal it's the best in-ear headphone i've i've ever heard in my life i listen i use it every for everyday listening i've actually started using it for um for critiques uh for like mastering evaluation as well but anyway they're 
that's just the prototype one. They're they're building tooling for like the actual one that's going to be you know kind of a nicer, more robust design. I think it's called the Ears line. There's like four different models. So I'm really excited for that to come out. I supported their uh, their campaign. I think it's either Kickstarter, GoFundMe. I forget who they did it through. But uh, I think those are going to be coming out next summer. So I'm really excited to uh, to get my pair and check it out. They're really phenomenal sounding headphones. Cool. Um, also really enjoyed the Yesco interview. Oh, yeah. Yesco was uh, really great. Acoustics. That was a lot of fun. And he, he was very generous with his time. We kind of just hung out afterwards and talked chop for a while. Mm-hmm. He's a really cool guy. Very cool guy. Um, he, he actually helped me with building this this space a little bit. For, oh, really? For Yeah, it was awesome. Just like answering my questions and over email and stuff like that. That's dope. Um, also really liked our layers episode and uh, the mastering shootout. I love that one yeah. where we did like different uh, yeah, Lander versions, so. and, and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah, was yeah. a good one too. So yeah, we had some good ones, man. We've had some good ones. Yes, we have. Um, all right. So now that, uh, you know, the podcast is, is over. So certainly you and I will, will keep in touch, yep. but what are you, what are you going to do with your, your podcast time? Well, I'm starting another podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, there's two main things that I'd like to start doing more. Um, I want to get more into doing video stuff like YouTube. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be yet, but I just want more of an online presence. So maybe I'll take our podcast time and, and put more into the video stuff. Um, but I think more importantly than that, I want to start working on my own music for real and putting it out into the real world. So it's it's about time and you know it's a good answer yeah so it's that's cool that's what i'm gonna be up yeah to. mine is similar i i want to um you know it's interesting i, I look back at like old daily to-do lists or whatever you know that i'll go back like a couple of months and look at like what was what was my day-to-day minutiae like yeah and or i look at like session notes right or something like that and i find often that i wish i was writing down more of my thoughts like hmm not like the technical details of like what my settings were or whatever, but just what was I feeling? What was I thinking, you know, about a song or a process? And so, so that and my, my short answer is to write more, but it, it's both to write more music, which I haven't really been doing of late. And also just to like journal more about creativity and the process because, uh, you know, more and more you realize that there's nowhere to arrive, right? There's, you just, keep learning you keep evolving you keep trying new things and i love that journey and i want to like document it whether that's just for myself or like you know i I don't know if they're good i might release them as blog posts or something like that but i just want to be able to like i think it's something i think about a lot you know i think about creativity and like how to do things differently and Mm -hmm. i want to be documenting that and and kind of formalizing my thoughts yeah that's cool i like that i think you should yeah cool um you had added some oh, yeah, more right you added two what else did you have um the most surprising or unexpected thing that you learned most surprising th- oh <laughs> i'm gonna have, this is gonna be a tongue-in-cheek one okay but uh, social media doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't. 
except that I just, I think I forgave myself the guilt of not being so involved in it mm -hmm. and, and realized that it was, it was okay. So while it's still one of my goals to do more, I feel like when I look back on this year and how busy I've been working on music and how little I've done on social media, it's in some sense a little bit of a validation where I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't need to feel bad about it. I should do a little bit more because it, it'll help, but I don't need to feel bad for like not being on there, not posting, not creating content or whatever. So that's, that's my, that's my thing. Yeah. What about you? I could second that, but the one that I wrote down was, um, you don't have to do everything all at once. Mm. And I, I think that that became very apparent with, well, I just felt very overwhelmed that in order to make the studio work, I had to be the equivalent of an influencer on social media. I had to be the best at being an, an audio engineer. I had to be the best at being a people person. I had to be the best at organizing my life. And the reality is, is that that's just impossible. And what has worked better for me is just focusing on one thing and then feeling like you get that under your belt a little bit. It frees you up to delve into some other things a little bit more. And I think that that's the only way to approach things or a better, healthier that way. That is so true. And just, just giving yourself time. Yeah. Understanding that the things you're doing may not have immediate results. And even week on week, you might not chart progress. But when you look back on six months ago, you'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this this is working. Like, whatever it is, whether you're trying to up your technical game or, like, meet people. So I like what you said is, like, focus on one thing and also just give yourself the time and along those lines, you know, I, I talk, I might've even said this before, but I, I talk about tape op magazine a lot. Every month I get a tape op magazine and on the cover, there's the names of six or seven producers or engineers that are by any definition successful because they're on the cover of tape op magazine. Like there's interviews with these people inside and there's always their name. And then like the couple of artists that, they're known for, you know, for working with. I'm all about audio production. I live and breathe this stuff. And still, every month when I get my copy, I don't know 40% of the names hmm. on the cover of this magazine. Not only that, I don't even know 40% of the artists that they've worked with. Yeah. And I still read the interviews because these are people who are doing what I want to do. But what that what the, the point of the story is that these are people that aren't household names. They're people that have carved a niche and a corner and they're able to just do what they love and they don't need to be the best or they don't need to be the most famous or they don't need to win a Grammy. They're just living day to day doing what they love. And yep. I take a lot of inspiration from that. I like that. That's great. Very cool. All right. Last question I had was what's non-music, uh, uh, one non-music hobby or habit you picked up this past year? Yes. I love that. Yeah. So, so <laughs> a bit of a cop out because <laughs> I had a kid 10 months ago. 
So probably my newest hobby is being a dad, which has been oh, a lot of fun. Oh, that's very cool. And um, it's actually cool. You know, my, 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 I was telling you offline, my son, Leo, he seems to be really drawn to music. In fact, when he was really young, like before he was crawling, I would have, I kept a pack and play, which is like a little cage, a little baby cage, yeah. <laughs> effectively. <laughs> I kept it in the studio and I would just put him in there and like work on a mix. And he was like really, he would get really quiet and like pay attention when there was music playing. So I think he's going to be musically minded. And um, that's been a super fun part of my life that I, I didn't anticipate. So it's not much of a hobby, but it is a new thing that, yeah, that takes cool. some time. But as a bonus, I will give you one thing that I want to do next year, okay, which is okay. I want to take up, I want to learn sailing. I want to learn how to sail. Oh, wow. Yeah. In Connecticut, we're, we're on a lake where I'm based now. And um, I really want to just like learn to sail. It's something I know nothing about. <laughs> But I think it, it, I, something about it seems very soothing and, and calming to me. So that's going to be my my thing for the for next year. <laughs> what about you? I'm sorry when you when you said that it made me think of that um, that Bill Bill Murray movie. Do you know what I'm talking about with him and Richard Dreyfuss? No. Um, oh, what about Bob? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember that scene where he's like, "I'm silly." <laughs> and he's yeah, just tied yeah, to yeah. Mask. That's right. That's exactly what it's going to be like. Because <laughs> I think they're in. I think they're up in Connecticut too. They're up in that area. I think New England. They, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember where it's set. I don't either. That's a great movie, though. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. So, yeah, I I have a couple written down. The real the real answer is videography. It's been yep. really cool. Um, I think I have a, a little bit of an eye for it. Um, and, you know, it's cool to pick up a second hobby that also, like, feeds really well into the audio stuff that I'm doing already. And, yeah, everything that I've done has been getting a little bit better than the last thing. And so it's cool. I'm, I'm at the point now where people have been reaching out to me and saying, can you shoot a music video for me? And I'm like, wow. I don't know how to shoot a music video, <laughs> but like, I'll try. And it's, it's weird. It's kind of like, it reminds me of like, I don't know if I ever was quite this way. Cause I was very intentional with the audio production, but it reminds me of the beginning of like, maybe playing bass or getting better at it or, or learning some Ooh. audio stuff where, where people reach out to you and they're like, yeah, can you like, can you record my band? And you're like, wait, you want, you want to pay me to record so it's it's very similar in that way and it's and it's cool and it's also cool too because like audio will always be like front and center like the main thing that I'm doing but videography even though I'm I'm charging for it it still feels more like a hobby you know yeah. where like it's just like all fun and you're like just pay me a little bit just pay me a little bit yeah. and I'll do <laughs> I'll do it for you and it'll be all fun Whereas like the music has to be a little more serious because I have to support myself with it. So it's yeah. cool in that sense. That is cool. What what are you using for uh for editing? I'm using Wondershare Filmora. Yeah, okay. And yeah, I've been using that as well. It's really oh, yeah. like, really user friendly and cool transitions and stuff. It is. The one of the reasons I got into it was because it's not as GPU heavy. Because I tried ah. to use DaVinci Resolve and my computer just would crash all the time because it 
mainly yeah. is GPU focused. Okay. Yeah. But it's yeah, cool. I found that to be a nice usable. It's it's not it's not crazy with options and functionality that I can't understand being a complete layman. Yeah. So, but at the same time, it's got like pretty powerful uh, capabilities. So I've I have enjoyed that as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm mostly focusing. I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm focused. I'm mostly focusing on like capturing like really good. It's kind of like audio production. Like I'm getting yeah. at the source as good content as possible, and then I'm just doing some like color correction. I'm not trying to do like um 3d modeling or like any kind of crazy right. effects it's just the source material but a little bit better yeah yeah but it's cool it. and the other one it's that's concept the other one that's totally just a hobby um is beer brewing which has been a lot of fun ah yeah 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 that's right you got into that um end of last year i think probably about a year ago yeah i did uh i did retake up jujitsu probably Oh, cool! Four months ago, so I'm I'm back in the game. I, yeah, I've, I've set a goal for myself to to get my purple belt. I don't know. I don't think I'm that close, <laughs> but um, it feels good to get back into it. I definitely feel like I've been in a car accident every week because my body is so beat up. Yep. But um, that'll go away. That's just uh, you that's are just prepping. You are prepping to be the next Joe Rogan, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> except the, that I quit podcasting. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's that, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. Hey, it's been a great it's been a great run with you, man, and a good final episode. Yeah, it's been awesome, Ben, and uh, <clears throat> we'll keep in touch. And I look forward to revisiting these episodes actually in like a year or something. Just coming back and yeah checking out uh what was occupying our our minds yeah and, uh, yeah i get i guess yeah. before we log off like is there anything you know is there anything we want to mention that we've got going on or 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 places that people can find us going forward yeah for sure so i'm not gonna stop doing this anytime soon so i'm still at calmfrogrecording.com or you can find me on Instagram although I'm as I said not on there as often as I as I could be but it's vk.press.play on Instagram and I'd love to chat love to hang out what about you where are you at same same thing as Vadim um, not the same addresses but uh, <laughs> <laughs> same best places to find me uh, website benjaminhallaudio.com uh, you can hear Hear the stuff I've worked on. Reach out to me there. Um, Instagram's a good place. Benjamin Hall Audio. Same on Facebook. I'm probably a little bit more. Uh, I'm on there a little bit more than Vadim. <laughs> Maybe a little bit on more. Facebook and Instagram, um, okay. but not too yeah. much more. I'll get back to you within a day. That's all I can promise. But um, yeah, definitely. You know, follow us. We'd love to. We'd love to hear from you guys and and keep keep up with us um you know it's been it's been cool to see the response uh from you know the listeners and the the community that we've built and you know i know that we've helped a lot of people out there so it's been really cool stay stay in touch yeah absolutely all right then 
for possibly the last time, it's the DIY Recording Guys reminding you to check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. All right.